Our goal is to win, for Christ's sakes. And you keep talking about the CBT. You keep talking about prospects and your long-term goal. Like, you just basically told us we ain't good enough. We suck. You let us down. Angry Lou. Angry Lou. A hole the size of I don't even know what in that bullpen. Keep playing like dog Great call by manager Lou. Go get me a goddamn first baseman. That's what I want. I don't want an outfielder D8. I need a first baseman. Okay, Lou, I'll ask you something. What? How do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address the closer situation? Lou, what's up, dog? Good, how are you doing? Good. Well, it's always great to have you here, Lou. Ladies and gentlemen, it is noon on Friday, and you know what that means. We go to the Harbor One hotline, and we welcome in our friend, as I say, the voice of baseball in Boston. He is E.F. Hutton in Boston. When Lou Maloney speaks on hardball, people listen. Lou, good afternoon. How we doing, boys? How are you? How was your West Coast jaunt? It was nice. Good to be back. Did the whole red eye thing after that last game in Anaheim. You kind of, you know, it's one of those things. I came back. It was like my wife's birthday, and I spent the whole time sleeping on the couch. Oh, well, you can. Uh, well, that a boy. I'm glad that you're being consistent. Like nothing has changed with the way you handle your marital affairs. Very romantic. Very yeah, romantic. There you That's go. You'll I make am. it up yeah. to her later, I'm sure. But Lou, yeah. I, you know what? And Gresh mentioned this earlier. It, it is weird because I think most people locally have forgotten that baseball is. Also yeah. being played by a team that resides in Boston. It's just like the games are so late. And I guess this last series didn't go too well. No. Quick synopsis for me uh, and everybody else who didn't watch. The bats fell apart. I mean, they came out the first two games against San Diego swinging it. And you're like, and then Michael Waka, you know, actually more Corey Kluber, you know, his last time as a starter. And he gave it up early. And you just sort of it felt like that Sunday game in San Diego. It was like, ah, we took two out of three. Let's get on to Anaheim. And that's the way the game looked. But when they showed up in Anaheim, they continued with that same offensive approach. Like, they just, they got nothing going. I mean, it was like three games in a row. They had, like, one extra base hit, one run. Now, there was a little bit of life that last game against Anaheim, but they faced, you know, uh, Jaime Barea, who's like, a uh, maybe they might convert him to a starter. They let him go five innings. You know, the next night, this kid canning, like, he's been getting hit around left and right, and he shoved for, like, six innings. So it was, and you know, the difference is that they started pitching this team a little differently. Like there wasn't many fastballs. It was like off-speed, early encounters, get me over curveballs, change-ups. And it just seemed like this offense did not adjust. They kept being out in front of it, lazy, bad swings. So the league and Cora talked about all week. The league's sort of starting to make adjustments maybe on this team. Like, you know, not as many fastballs as maybe they were seeing. And now it's their turn to kind of figure that out and make the adjustment themselves. The bats just went silent. The pitching was still pretty good. Yeah, Lou, that's what I was going to ask you. It feels like the Red Sox on the whole have gotten a run of pretty good starts that have kept them in games, fair to say. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, and you know, Paxton the other day wasn't sharp as, as he has been in the past. So that was probably that last game, like the start you weren't looking for in Kluber, but he's out of the rotation. So, but the other guys, you know, Bayo and Houck threw the ball real well. They should have got W's and the bats just didn't show up. So, you know, uh, back to Kluber real quick. Were you surprised that on this very show, Alex Cora announced that Kluber was out of the rotation and going to the bullpen? Yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic. First off, that he announced it on your show. Good for you guys. Um, No, and I was very happy to see that because it's the way Bayo's been pitching. We're past the point of, like, sending him down. The way Houck went out and threw the ball, it's like the night after Kluber gives it up, Houck goes out there and shoves. And you're going to put Houck in the bullpen? 
So to me, I like the message that it sends. You know, I think you would have to explain your team. Like, what, what do you mean we're, we're keeping Kluber in the rotation? So I like the message. The other guys outperformed Kluber. They outperformed Pavetta, and they put them both out in the bullpen. I don't know how they're going to be used, but I like the fact that you just sort of, you're looking at it saying, look, we're trying to win games. We're putting our best pitches in a rotation, and that's the way it is. Lou Merloni with us, obviously. Lou, of course, a part of the uh, Red Sox booth. That Sox booth, you'll see uh, Lou in there with a uh, tall Will as well, along with uh, Joe Castiglione. Lou, I'm looking up and down the lineup, and I see Devers, 249, 13 bombs, 44 ribbies. Yoshida's in there almost hitting 300, six homers, 29 ribbies. And then a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Are the Red Sox going to have some guys that are going to emerge out of this lineup, not named Devers? Yeah, they're going to have to, you know, and I think, you know, everybody, you, you could look at the last week and say, you know, this lineup isn't good. Or you could look at the previous five weeks and say, you know, okay, there's, there's some signs there. You know, like Verdugo hit a little bit of a snag. Um, Turner, I think, has been okay. He just missed a couple of games, and I think he's still been doing what he's always done. But, yeah, you're going to need other guys. Now, it looks like Duvall will be back June 9th, you know, in the 60 days. looks like he's going to be back, which is going to be crowded somewhat. But now, all of a sudden, Duran has hit this skid where he's something like 0 for 17 or 18. Um, Tristan Casas is a guy at first base. Like, I heard Duvall's taking ground balls at first base. And it makes sense because when he comes back, wow. what do you do? If Duran is going to, you know, con- gets back to swinging it, where, where the at-bats come in. And I think, you know, you could see Turner at first. You could see Duvall with him at first base, you know, and, and, and move guys around DH-wise and get him Duvall in left, give Yoshida DH. But I think you need some coverage there at first base. Because, and we'll sort of see what Tristan Casas turns this thing around. Because right now, he's, he's, he had a really tough week, along with everybody else, though. Is Duvall to first base similar to uh, Schwarber to first base? <laughs> no, he's played there before. So that, that makes me feel somewhat decent about it, you know. Um, so he's played there in the past a little bit. And, you know, if Duran – it really comes down to Duran and Casas. Like, they, you know, some of these guys have like three weeks to kind of figure this thing out because when Duvall comes back, there's going to be a crunch. And when you look around, I, I don't know what the other options would be. And, and just to add like a, another, I guess, another name to the injury update because I, I obviously – uh, Trevor Story is another mm-hmm. guy that I think everybody's trying to paying trying to pay attention to. Like when's his uh, you know in, anticipated return to the lineup? Have you heard anything on that? Yeah, I heard that he's swinging down in spring training, which is always a good thing. And they got this uh, machine. Um, I forget what it is. The pitching machine where like the guy basically can face live pitching. Like you know, you just plug in Chris Sale and he shows up on a screen and really? the ball comes out. It's of, like VR, like, right? His arm slot. Yeah, but it's a real. It's a pitching machine. But, you know, you just plug in Chris Sale and you can just face, you know, face. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. So it's trajects, I think it's called. Really? I do believe you can, it's it's a screen that looks like is the it a guy virtual, is it looks like him standing up like some like I, some yeah, Star it's, Wars. It's basically like a black screen and then yeah. you plug in Chris Sale and you look up and there he is. He's facing Really? Him. And then the hole where the ball comes out kind of moves around based on release point. Whoa, that is crazy. It's, it's like what you see at a carnival. It's pretty and, cool. And it's one of the reasons why somebody like Bryce Harper can come back without rehabbing because he's been facing big league pitching for three weeks in this machine. Like Duvall has been, you know, facing this machine, like, you know, doing some takes and working on his timing and then hitting. And, and the same thing with Story. So it allows these guys to get the at-bats without maybe having to go to Portland for 17 weeks. That is you know, interesting, though. But, but, Lewis, so, I mean, why don't guys who, like, oh, okay, we're seeing it now on, on, the, on the Twitch stream. And so... So can this be something that you would use like during the regular season if you're even if you're not hurt? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You go down there before the cage and you say who's pitching tonight? 
Michael Walker, plug him in. Let me have three or four at-bats on him before I even play. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I never and knew that existed. Why didn't we invent that? What right. are we doing, right? Yeah. And it's so just a picture Duvall, of the guy. That's why Duvall sits there and says, June 9th, I'm eligible to come off the 60-day DL, and I want to be activated that day. I don't need to go to Portland. I don't need to go to Pawtucket because I'm going to be facing big league pitchers in this machine for about two weeks. The, the tagline is, practice like you play. Yeah. It's great. Pretty interesting. It is uh, It is pretty interesting. Lou, Nick Pavetta is in the bullpen now. H- how, how? Where do you use this guy? I think you use him the way he's, he's come in here so far. He's come into a game down 6 nothing. He's come into a game down 5-1. to one. And I think that's how you have to use him right now. You know, in those games, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to use your high leverage guys, right? You don't want to use Martin. You don't want to lose, use Winkowski and obviously Jansen and, and some of the other guys you want to use late in the game. So you have a guy like Pavetta who's out in that bullpen for the first time. And this is where I think Kluber will come into play as well. You have to kind of give him these low leverage spots where the starter just gets shredded. And so we need a pitcher in like the fourth inning because you need them to figure out a routine. Like Pavetta goes out there and gives it up in the first inning. Now he's like, okay, next time I come in, I got to try something different to get ready as a reliever. Like, how do I step on that mound? What do I got to do in a bullpen to step on that mound and have my A game right away on the first hitter? Like, relievers do that. Starters aren't used to being out there, the phone ringing, saying, Pavetta, get up. So I think until these guys get comfortable, until they show you that they can come in out of that bullpen and, and give you a good first inning and have sharp stuff right out of the gate, I don't know how else you could use them. Uh, Lou, I want to ask you about Shohei Otani because Mm. I know on opening day on this radio station, both Sam Kennedy and part of the Red Sox ownership group, Tom Werner, had glowing things to say about Otani. You were there. Did you pick up any vibe as to Otani's future, what he'll be looking for? Is there any buzz about that with some of the people that you might have talked to behind the scenes actually being at the ballpark? No, you know, you talk to the people out in Anaheim, and I don't think they feel too confident he's going to be back. And I think the real question is, you know, if this team falls out of it, do you just move him? You know, if you're the Angels. Um, you know, I just think it's – I think he's going to have an opportunity to pick where he wants. Uh, I think the Red Sox absolutely should be involved because he's just a unicorn. And I don't care how much money you give him – the day you sign him, you're making half of it back in marketing. Like it's just the way it is, especially with Yoshida. You know, you control J- Japan. You know, and as far as marketing goes, um, so you should be involved. With that said, it's also going to be the riskiest contract in history because you're paying for both. You know, if he blows out and can't pitch, you're not paying him fifty million dollars to be a DH or whatever the price is going to be. So, I-, I think the contract gets creative. I think it's based on innings, you know, like starts and, and if he and if he gives you third twenty eight, thirty starts and, and you know and plays, then I think now you're talking fifty five million dollars a year. So it has to be in that range given what he does. Think about it. If he gets moved at the deadline, the team that picks him up just picked up an ace and a four hole hitter with the same guy. Like it's I mean, it's ridiculous. So did you was this the first time you saw him in person? No, I did the games when he was back in Fenway Park. I mean, I, I watched this guy take BP, and he just – he hits balls where nobody else hits him. Like, like, Devers can't hit the ball as far as he hits it. Like, and just in batting practice. It's, it's, it's off the charts. Like, in, and then you see him run down to first base, and then you see him throw the baseball, and it's just like, this guy's not normal. And, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds. I know it's a real big contract, <laughs> like a ridiculously record-setting contract. So I was going to say, Lou, do you think teams might try to go 
short years because of the you're paying for both and there isn't an, an, an immense amount of risk. Like, my fear is that there will be teams that would be willing to say, give this guy a five or maybe even a seven-year deal at stupid money. But some teams will look at it and be like, yeah, I'll offer you four because that's the level of risk that I'm willing to assume. Like, do you have any feel or at least a guess in your opinion as to how the league might try to treat his contract? Because I got to assume that all the owners understand the level of risk they're yeah. taking and signing this guy. Yeah, which is why I think all the risk has to be tied. The language has to be tied to innings pitched or or starts. You know, if you if it's just forty million dollars clean, you know, and that's like you know five or ten starts, you know, and then for every start over is like another million a year, you know, something like this. So it's like you're paying forty million dollars a year, but uh, you know, once he hits like six, like six through twenty five, he can make another twenty. If, if he gives you 25 starts, you know what I'm saying? So it's got to be based on games played, games pitched rather, and innings because it's just you'll pay $35, $40 million for the hitter even though it's an overpay because you get some innings from him. But you, you, you're really paying for that 150, 170 innings, 28 starts that he gives you as well. So last one for me, Lou, like just random thought based on the fact that Hyam Bloom was on with the morning show uh, the other day. Do you think the Red Sox and Hyam Bloom regret not signing Nate Evaldi? You think they, they think regret him letting him go now, especially since he's playing so well? Yeah, I think right now I don't know how you couldn't, you know, with how he is pitching. I think, how did they let him go then? Well, the, you know, they qualified him, you know, which was $19 million, and he ended up getting two and what, 34 Yeah. So 17 you know, it's actually 16 and a $2 million buyout. I think they offered him a three-year deal. I mean, I think that was the, the, the word. Like, and I, Actually, I think Sean McDonough, I mean, Sean McAdam had that uh, today, too, as well. But um, he just, you know, I don't know. They, they tried. I don't know what the money was. It was probably really low. Uh, I, so I think, yeah, in hindsight, the way he's throwing the baseball, there's no question about it that they wish they brought that guy back. I mean, look at Walker the other day, too. In hindsight, you're saying the same thing. But the, what do you call it? Uh, Kluber was the one miss. Like, when you look at this offseason, we can harp on Kluber, but really it's like the, really the one miss that he had, other than maybe not going out and getting those guys, right? Because this mm-hmm. was a guy that – and I could see where you, you walk into camp and you're like, you know what, I don't know if Whitlock, how Crawford, like Bayo, like, like do I want to lock a guy in for three years? These guys could be my rotation for the next four years. You know, I want to see if they can do it or not. So I understand maybe the mindset, but I don't know how you can't regret it now. Uh, I know that uh, you're playing golf, you're traveling, triumphant return to San Diego again because Jenny Forbush in the Twitch chat says, where the hell is Angry Lou? Who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why are you so happy? They lost uh, the entire series. Because his handicap's down four strokes. Yeah, it, it's, it's a happy life. I ain't going to lie to you. No, it, it, when I'm in there, it's like, yeah, you're pissed off that they're not swinging the bat. But at the same point, you're you're involved. And I, I've seen this team all year long. So it's really to sit there and say, yeah, for three games, they just didn't show up offensively. But they have in San Diego, we're raving about them. Before that, you're raving about them. And it's just sort of one of those things throughout a season. It's different when you cover them. They were every day. Well, yeah, yeah, a little, little more context. And when are you yeah. next up? What's the next? Uh, yeah, I, I got like, man, I got like two weeks, dude. I got, like, my next up is like a Friday night in New York, June 9th. And then I kind of go back at it again. I got the Yankees in Colorado on Nesson. Now, will you train that down? Will you drive on your own? Or are you getting on the uh, on the charter to head to New York? No, because they're coming from Cleveland, I think. So I fly oh. uh, solo into that place in the morning. 
at some point. That Into place. that place <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> that sounds like somebody uh, is about to land at LaGuardia. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Hey, Lou, exactly. thank you, man. Have a great holiday weekend. We'll catch you next week. Thank right, you. Guys. Thanks, Lou. Have a great weekend. There All we right. go.